0: Oh, God, we've got the candle. You have the flame. How do we bring those two together? Teach us today. Let the teaching be clear. Oh, we want to be drawn to Jesus. That's what we were singing all morning long. Draw us to our forever friend. We pray in His name. Amen. Wouldn't you know it? Pew Research Center just this week released... A brand new study, survey, of our millennial generation. Don't worry about the folks leaving. These are the parents who have already been to First Church and have got to get their kids home for dinner. The rest of you stay. I'd be much obliged. Thank you. Pew Research Center released this study. National survey done in January. Listen up. It's on the millennials. You say, hey, Dwight, who are the millennials? Here are the millennials. They are those Americans between the ages of 18 and 29. In other words, they are the students of Andrews University. This study I'm about to share with you. It's over 100 pages, so I can't share the whole study with you. But they released a synopsis, a summary of the study, and I want to read a few lines from that study with you. So if you're an Andrews University student, listen up, because this is your generation. may not describe you, but it's your generation. Okay, so here we go. Generations like people have personalities and millennials. The American teens and 20-somethings who are making the passage into adulthood at the start of a new millennium have begun to forge theirs, yours. Okay, here's the profile. Confident. I have found that to be true. Confident. Self-expressive. Yep. Liberal. That would be politically speaking. Upbeat. And open to change. What's wrong with that? They are more ethnically and racially diverse than older adults. And in one of the teachings in the last miniseries, series we talked about that. You are the most colorblind generation raised on this planet. And you are on track to become the most educated generation in American history. Wow! Now, unless you, begin, unless you start thinking, man, don't we have the smarts, I want to dis- disabuse you of that notion right away. The reason you're the most educated generation in American history is because the job market is shrieking and you're having to go to graduate school because you can't find a job. So there. Don't you hold it over us. Don't you hold that over us, boomers and Gen Xers and seniors and all, all the rest of us. Oh, listen to this. They, the millennials, 18 to 29... They are history's first always-connected generation, steeped in digital technology and social media. They treat their multitasking handheld gadgets almost like a body part, for better or for worse. Is that true or what? On our senior leadership team here at the Pioneer Memorial Church, we have two millennials, and that is the gospel truth. One of them, I can't give you her name, but she always has... Her iPhone in her hand. I mean, it, she is inseparable to that iPhone. The other has a BlackBerry Curve all the time. All the time. Hallelujah. Listen up, though. Listen to this. This is not you. This is not Andrews University. I know. More than eight in ten of these millennials say they sleep with a cell phone. I know it wasn't you. They sleep with a cell phone glowing by the bed. Tell me you don't do that. Just tell me no. Just say no real loud. Hallelujah. I said no. This is 8 out of 10. Can you imagine that? Those cell phones going by the bed, poised to disgorge, texts, phone calls, emails, songs, news, videos, games, and wake-up jingles. But sometimes convenience yields to temptation. Nearly two-thirds of these millennials admit to texting while you're driving. Tell me you don't do that. Tell me you do not do that. I actually tried it once going through uh, Berrien Springs. I've done it maybe four or five or six times. But I got one time when I drove all the way through town and I had my left hand on the steering wheel and I'm trying to read my emails and give answers to them. And I went all the way through town and I, I got through town. And I said, where have I been? I had no clue where I had been. They ought to have arrested me and you and we'd all be in jail together. So so these millennials, they embrace multiple uh, modes of self-expression. Three quarters have created a profile on a social network. One in five have posted a video of themselves online. Tell me no. All right. I I like this. This was good news. They get along well with their parents. Good on you. I got two millennials. One of my millennials is borderline with a Gen Xer. But uh, I find that to be true. Looking back on their teenage years, millennials report having fewer spats with mom and dad than older adults say they have with their own parents. One more. They respect their elders. A majority of millennials say the older generation is superior to the younger generation when it comes to moral values and work ethic. Bless you. But here's the one that, here's the part that interested me. I end with this. They are the least, religion now, okay? Gotta to go to religion. They are the least overtly religious American generation in modern times. One in four. One in four are unaffiliated with any religion. Now, I've got to tell you something. There, there are ways you can give statistics. You can say one in four, but I love it if you put it the other way. Three out of four are affiliated. Hallelujah. Huh? Yet, not belonging does not necessarily mean not believing. Millennials pray about as often as their elders did in their own youth. So, I take out this 100-page, downloaded it, 100-page plus study, and I'm going through it. I said... Find me the part about prayer. I want to find out about millennials and prayer. And let me put it on the screen for you. Here's the statistic for you 18 to 29-year-olds on prayer. If we could put that on the screen, please. The Pew Research Center found out that 48% of millennials pray daily. What was wrong with that? I'm grateful. 48% of them pray daily. And they asked them the next question, do you read the Scripture once a month? And 27% of millennials read the Scripture weekly. Sorry, not once a month, weekly. They read the Scripture weekly, 27%. So I'm thinking, because we've just been looking at this Roger Dudley longitudinal study of our own community of faith, and I'm thinking, I wonder how our young adults measure up with this Pew Research Center study. So let's put Roger Dudley's study on the the screen for a moment, where he asked two questions. He's tracked them. They're all the way through their teens. They're in their mid-20s, 10th year of the survey. Here are their responses at the 10th year, mid-20s. They would be today's millennials. How often do you pray? Adventist young adults. How about uh, daily? 59%. Say, I pray daily. Now, that's compared to the pew of 48%, so I'm grateful. 59%. How about, what's, an, what's another figure? Oh, you pray weekly. 23% pray weekly. How about monthly? At least monthly, 9%. How about rarely or never? And that's another 9%. Hmm. The young adults within our community of faith. Roger asked another question. How often do you read the Scripture? How often do you study the Bible? Let's go. Daily. 13%. Whoa. Only 13%. How about weekly? 30%. The pew was 27%, so that fairly uh, closely correlates, doesn't it? Weekly, 30%. How about, uh, how about monthly? 21%. But hold on to your pew. I was astounded at this number. Rarely or never, 36% of Seventh-day Adventist young adults say, I rarely or never study the Bible. I rarely or never read the Bible. Wow. Hey, listen. Let me just uh, give some encouragement to you millennials. When you crunch the numbers, as the Pew Research does, of the Gen Xers, and then the Boomers, and then the... The, the uh, seniors, the numbers aren't a whole lot better. Not a whole lot better. Point is, ladies and gentlemen, maybe all of us could, could be benefited by a crash course on the basics. Prayer 101. Maybe we could all benefit. And so I'm going to invite you to take the course right now. We're going to do it in just these few moments together. Open your Bible with me, please. Open your Bible with me to the most profound invitation Jesus ever uttered. We went there last week, but we only noted one of His commands. There are two, and it's that second command that's, that's calling to us today. Open your Bible to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 11. The Gospel of St. Matthew chapter 11. You didn't bring a Bible. You've got to see this. Grab the pew Bible in front of you. It will be page 656 in your pew Bible. Let's take a look at this. The familiar. If you have a red letter Bible, these words are bright red. You know these words. If you've read the New Testament through, you are acquainted with these words. Let's go back to the words of Jesus. The most profound invitation He ever uttered. Matthew 11, verse 28. Come to Me. That's where we spent last Sabbath. Come to Me, all you who are are weary and burdened. I'm in the NIV. And I will give you rest. Verse 29, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Two commands tucked away in that profound invitation. Come to me. That's Christianity 101. That's because Jesus is the heart and soul of all of life. We noted that last week. Heart and soul, heart and soul, heart and soul. Come to me. But did you get the second command? Learn from me. That's prayer 101, because prayer is the heart and soul of coming to Christ. In fact, I wish we'd jot that down before we forget it. Would you grab your study guide real quick? Grab your study guide and let's get that down. Come to me and learn from me. It's, it's tucked into your worship bulletin. If you didn't get a study guide, uh, ushers, would you please make sure that... Uh, just hold your hand up and our, our friendly ushers will get that study guide to you. And those of you who are watching on television, we're delighted to have you. I want you to have the study guide. This may be the most practical study guide you will ever have, and I'm serious. So make sure you get the study guide at our website. Let me put the website on the screen for you. You'll see it there. There it is. www.pmchurch.tv. We're doing a little mini-series entitled Primer for the Next Generation. Now, what's a Primer? Well, a Primer, those are those old teaching books back at the 1800s little schoolhouses learning my reading writing and arithmetic these old teaching books and they were called primers because they taught the basics and we're plunging into the basics because obviously by the percentages we just noted we don't know the basics perhaps and so primer for the next generation and you're looking for today's teaching prayer like here at Andrews University uh, the, the classes are all abbreviated, so this is P R Y R, Prayer 101. Every college student knows when you're talking 101, you're talking basics. When you get up to the 600s here in this university, you're into graduate, you're into doctoral level classes. But this is 101, Prayer 101. And let's jot it down, just so that we we've, we've got this in place. Come to me, the, the call of Christ in Matthew 11. Come to me. That's Christianity 101. Fill it in, please. That's Christianity 101 because Jesus is the heart and soul of all of life. Come to me. Come to me. Then there's learn from me. That's the second command. Learn from me. And that's prayer 101 because prayer is the heart and soul of life with Jesus. So jot those down. Get that set up. And let's read it again. Do you mind? I love this. It doesn't get any better than this, ladies and gentlemen. Jesus speaking. Verse 28. Read it again. Come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Do you get that? Take my yoke upon you. I come come time out, Jesus, please. What do you talk about a yoke? You don't mean a yoke, do you? And, of course, he does. Do you know what a yoke is? And, yes, he does. The question is, do we? Do we know what a yoke is? Let's put one on the screen. Went to Google and said, Find us an old and ancient yoke. That's a yoke. Old wooden yoke. Where two oxen are harnessed together in that wooden uh, yoke. Neck goes in each one. In fact, let's put a picture of the oxen with that yoke around their necks. See, that's what a yoke does. A yoke, the purpose of a yoke... Is to is to tighten the bond and lighten the burden. That's what a yoke does. It tightens the bond, and it lightens the burden. Because if they're not close, they're not strong. I want to illustrate it right here, and I'm I'm just uh, my eyes are sweeping over the uh, congregation right now because I'm I'm looking for somebody in particular, but I don't I'm not spotting him real quick, and so. I need a, uh, I need a volunteer. Hey, Greg, thanks for volunteering. Would you come up here just for a second? <sighs> I'm looking for one of our members, Norm Klug, who is just a big man. You're a big man too, though, so that works. It works. We're about the same size. But look at look at if if if, if Greg and I, if Greg and I were connected by by a 20 foot rope, so we were the two oxen. And if we are connected by a twenty-foot rope, I mean, would an oxen get? In, would the farmer get anything out of us? I mean, you'd be going this way and I'd be going that way, right, Greg? Yeah. Be, yeah. So what? What a farmer has to do is he has to put us. Now, here's what Jesus is talking about when he's talking about yoke. He has to put us so that we're shoulder to shoulder and heart to heart. Isn't that what, Isn't that what a yoke does? Puts us up close and tight. Because when we're yoked together like this, we are pointed in the same direction, aren't we? Yeah. We are pointing in the same direction. We are pulling in the same direction. We are partnering in the same direction. Isn't that true? Because you've got us yoke. And when you have a strong guy like Greg, the weaker guy like me, see, gets to lean on that strength. We're yoke, but guess who's doing the heavy pulling right here? The big guy. <laughs> what? What? Oh, good. Yeah, right. Hey, thanks, Greg. Bless you. Uh, But the point is, guys, and you get it, when Jesus says, take my yoke upon you, that's what he's describing. Only we've got two pulled together by the metaphor, shoulder to shoulder and heart to heart, and suddenly, what I could never do before, I am dragging dragging this through life. I could never get very far, but when you yoke me up, With a powerful partner, what I couldn't do before, I could do now. And that's why Jesus says, hey, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. By the way, he doesn't take the burden away. You still live with a burden. Come on, the burdens don't disappear. You're still going to have burdens in this life, but you come to me. You've been just dragging that all by yourself. You come yoke up with me, and I will help carry that burden. I will double your strength, and I will help. Have the weight I'll have that burden, cut it in half, and when you think about it, suddenly now this this idea of a yoke, suddenly now the invitation glows brightly. What's Jesus saying? jot it down what he's saying is, I want to walk beside you the whole way. I want to walk. I promise I will walk beside you. You can't get any closer than that, ladies and gentlemen. Keep your pen moving. Yoke with me. Your burdens are divided and your strength is multiplied. Look, you got to go with me. Let me go with you. Yoke with me. You will never be alone again. You can't be alone because the yoke is on now. Yoke with me. Oh, isn't this true? Yoke with me. You will end up in my home. Isn't that true? You'll end up in my home. So, write it down. Jesus says, come come to me and learn from me and I will give you rest for the rest of your life. Hallelujah. Ladies and gentlemen, my friends, the gospel invitation does not get any better than that, does it? I mean, what could be better? I will journey the whole way, shoulder to shoulder, heart to heart with you. Hallelujah. Isn't that beautiful? That was beautiful to me. It is. And what is the yoke that Jesus offers to bind our hearts to His? Now, there have been many suggestions, but I'd like to suggest for you, for the moments we have left, would you jot it down? The yoke is the yoke of prayer that is the door of friendship. The yoke of prayer that is the door of friendship. In that classic, that little classic translated into 135 different languages Steps to Christ. By the way, I'm making that offer on these, uh, three-part, uh, this little three-part mini-series. Those of you watching on television, you get to that website or that 800 number. I'll give you the book, Steps to Christ. It's a classic. From the book, Steps to Christ. Jot this down, will you? Prayer is the opening of the heart to God as to a friend. Yeah. Prayer is the opening of the heart to God. As to a friend. Not that it is necessary in order to make known to God what we are. We've got to do this because God says, well, I've tried to recall. No, 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 no. But in order to to enable us to receive Him. Prayer does not bring God down to us, but brings us up to Him. Come to me. You learn from me. Come, 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 come. The yoke of prayer is the door of friendship with God and Christ Jesus. Ah, come on, Dwight. Does He really call us friends? I mean, you think about it. Does He really? Ah, yes He does. Jot this down. Isn't it beautiful? This is the night before His execution on Calvary. John 15, in the upper room. Jesus spoke these words. Maybe you've read them before. John 15, 13 to 15. Greater love has no one than this, that He lay down His life for His friends. You are My friends, if you do what I command. I have called you friends for everything Everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You are my friends. Yeah, right. But if you're, you know, if, you, if you're on your way to perfection, if you're on your way to really having your act together spiritually, then you're a friend of Jesus. Oh my, you, you absolutely don't believe that, I am sure. Do you understand? Eleven men who hear this tonight are going to abandon him in four hours. They'll all have abandoned him. One of them is already out in the dark, preparing betray Jesus. In fact, when Je- get this. When Jesus meets Judas in the Garden of Gethsemane, in those flickering, dancing orange shadows of those torches, Jesus looks. He looks into the eyes of his betrayer who has walked with him. He looks into the eyes of his betrayer. Jot this down. Matthew 26, 50. Isn't it amazing? Jesus says, friend, this guy's his enemy. He could have said, hey, you, do what you come to do. He says, friend. Do what you've come to do. I have called you friends. Prayer is the opening of the heart to God as to a friend. I love the way the same author puts it in three different places. Can I share these with you real quick? Jot it down before we get to the practical how-to. Let me share, uh, share this one. Look at this. Jesus, same author, Jesus is right by our side to sympathize with us and he will help us. We can commune with our best Not just our friend, our best friend. Jot that down. He is our best friend. In fact, it gets even better. Look at this one. Next line. The Lord wants every one of us to believe that He is the very best friend. Jesus is the very best friend we have. And then it goes one step further. Dear children, the children who were singing just a moment ago. Dear young, that would be the millennials, your heavenly Father and the dear Savior are your very best friends. Both the Father and the Son, and by the way, that would surely include the Holy Spirit, are your very best friends. You have every evidence that it is possible for you to have of their love for you. Prayer is the opening of the heart to God, to our very best friend. It is the yoke of prayer that is the door of friendship. So, here's the question. How do you do it? Where's this practical to, how-to-do suggestion in Prayer 101? It's coming up right now. I want to share with you a new way to pray. It's a new way to pray because probably you have never prayed this way before. Whether you're, an, whether you're a millennial, whether you're a Gen Xer, boomer, senior, doesn't matter. A new way to pray. I've written a book entitled A New Way to Pray. Let me just summarize that in a few short moments because the fact of the matter is there are some people here as we're as we're talking about prayer and if you're honest with your own heart and you're honest with God and I know you are you know that it has been a long time since you have meaningfully prayed at all just hurrying into the day no time at all there's some of you who have been into prayer but it's become stale it's become routine boring i believe and i'm I'm being sincere here. I believe this new way to pray can raise the prayer bar for us all. So let me share with you seven steps to a new way to pray. You got that study guide, turn it over. Seven steps. Nothing to lose. You have everything to gain. Let me run these seven by you and when we're through, I'll sit down. All right, step number one, new way to pray. Daily conversation with Jesus. Would you jot that down, please? Because the key word... Is daily. I mean, can you imagine telling a friend, we're going to be friends only on Monday? Monday, you and I are together. Monday, we're friends. Now, don't, 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 get, don't get a hold of me on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and so on. Monday, you and I will be friends. Can you imagine saying to somebody, Sabbath, you and I will be friends? That's the day we have for friendship. How many of us, that's the only day we have for our, our very best friend? And if the truth is known about Sabbath, it really is just one hour. It's right here. This is the only time I meaningfully think about my very best friend. Now, the key word here, ladies and gentlemen, is the word daily. A daily conversation with Jesus. Or the numbers in that Pew Research, 48%. 48% pray daily in the Pew Millennials. Dudley, 59%. 23% read the Scripture weekly. You know what? We are living on the edge of eternity. If there ever were a time for a community of faith to say, this would be the perfect moment to raise the bar in my prayer journey with Christ, this would have to be it. Somebody came running up to me uh, between services. Hey, did you hear about Chile? No, I didn't hear about Chile. What's up? They had an 8.8 Richter earthquake, 500 times stronger than the one that leveled Haiti. Four, five, six weeks ago, early this morning, the entire Pacific Rim is on alert for tsunamis. Well, what does that mean? It means nature itself moves through upheaval on the edge of eternity. So if ever there were a time to say, okay, daily conversation, I'll make that commitment. This would be it. All right, step number one, daily conversation. Step number two, early morning. Would you jot that down? You know, it could be late night. If the freshest time of the day for you is late night, then it's late night. If you're a young mother and you've got kids, the best time of the day for you is midday when the kids' little, little tykes are down for their naps. That's your time. But, they, but obviously, the, the point would be the freshest time of the day. Try to set that time. For most of us, it's early morning. The question that always gets asked to me whenever we get into uh, thinking about prayer is the question about how much time. How much time should I spend in prayer? I mean, this method you're going to share with us, how much, time will it, how much time will it cost me? Here's what: When it comes to prayer, we need to keep this in mind. With prayer, it's not a matter of mind over matter. It's a matter of mind over mattress. You just have to get out of bed. And that's the truth. You, by the way, what we're talking about here, don't do it in bed because you know what will happen. You'll be gone in, uh, in uh, two minutes. The deal is less late night with David Letterman so that you can have more good morning with Jesus Christ. Somebody after First Church handed handed me this. Dear Dwight, I can tell you from experience you don't need to get up you don't you don't need to give up late night TV so you can spend time with Jesus in the morning. All you need to do is spend time with Jesus in the morning and you will lose interest in late night TV. I thought that was pretty good. Yeah. All right, so how much time are you talking about, Dwight? Come on, put it on the line. Okay, 20 minutes. Put it down. Jot it down. 20 minutes. 20 minutes, seven days a week. Come on now. We're not talking about a six-day friendship, three-day friendship. Seven days a week. 20 minutes in the morning. If I get a college student in my office here at the church and she says, he says to me, Pastor, I am just, I am frazzled. I am lost spiritually. I'm just burned out. For that student, I say 10 minutes. So if you're that student... Ten minutes. Ten minutes a day, seven days a week. Time will fly. You watch. But just make the commitment. That time. You just commit to that time. Seven days a week. All right. Step number one, daily conversation with Jesus. Step number two, we're ready for it. Gospels only. Gospels only. Matthew, I'm talking about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Because the compelling point of Jesus' invitation is you come to me. Come to me. Learn from me. There's another time when you can read the book of Hezekiah through, but not this time. Come to me, Jesus says. Come to me. Learn from me. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. What was that number that we saw on the screen just a moment ago? 13% of the young adults within our community of faith have a daily time in Scripture. 36% rarely or never. If you're in any of those categories, i got good news for you. This strategy of praying will bring the Bible right into it and you're going to be doing both simultaneously and you won't know when one stops and the other begins. So it, it, it works. It's win-win on both fronts. All right? Gospels only. High concentrate soul food. I'm focusing on Jesus. That's what's up. Step number three. Read only one story. That's a key. I'm adamant on that. One story. One miracle. One incident. One parable, one teaching, just one. Because look, if prayer is talking to God as a friend, then step three is where God does the talking. He's going to talk to you. If you read two or three stories, you're going to sit sit back and say, Wow, whoa, whoa, God, I mean, which story? Which one are you talking to me out of? It's too confusing. So the good news is you confine it to that story. That may be three verses. It may be eight verses. It may get up to 12, sometimes a little longer. But you're talking a short, hunk of the gospel that you're going to focus on. One story alone. And of course, if you do just one story, you're done, in, you're done in 30 seconds. Piece of cake. 30 seconds. And that's why there's step number four. Jot it down. Reread to relive. That's the key. Fill that in, please. Reread to relive. What you want to do is you want to turn, you want to turn that story into a DVD in your mind. Look at guys. Millennials, especially... You are the most visual generation we've ever that, that, that has ever been created on this planet. Everything you do happens on a screen. On that little gadget in your hand, on the little screen in your laptop, the big computer, the big screen at home. Everything is on the screen. And so turn, turn the story into a DVD in your mind. Let's try this. Let's just try this. Uh, somebody call out for me anywhere in the audience. I just need to be able to hear you. Call out to me a story from one of the Gospels. A story about Jesus. All right? Somebody just call out a story. I need to hear it. Rich young ruler. I heard that first. Okay? Rich young ruler. All right. So today, you're going to be, when you get to the story of the rich young ruler, and that's in uh, Matthew 19. When you get to that story in Matthew 19, here's the way you reread to relive. Let the story come alive. Now, we're all visuals, so let's just. Let's just pretend we go through the story first visually, don't we? We're seeing it, huh? So I see this rich young ruler. He's dressed in that Mark's, uh, the the Hafner's, uh, what are those great suits? I don't own them. And, uh, huh? Hart, Schaffner, and... Marks, yeah. So he comes up in one of those great suits. So we see him, whoa, dressed to the nines. Everybody else in Kmart specials. And there's this guy dressed to the nines. You're watching and it. see, it's visual. So you see him come up. And he kind of parts away and everybody, whoa, you know, this guy. is. Everybody parts. And now he's standing in front of Jesus. You're watching the whole thing. And he said, oh, Lord, because he's ready to make an announcement. He's ready to announce that he really has achieved. Lord, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He says. And you're watching Jesus, oh Jesus, you're gonna grab this guy, aren't you? Isn't he? wouldn't he make a great disciple? And Jesus concurs. Jesus says back to him, Hey boy, keep the Ten Commandments and you'll be fine. You know what I mean? Don't commit adultery, don't kill, don't steal. Ah the heart Shaffner and Mark's kid shoots back. I have been doing all of this since I was I grew up in the church. I've already been doing it. Jesus shoots back to him. Hey, good on you. Glad to hear it. You lack one thing. I want you to sell everything you have. Give it to the poor. you come follow me, you will have a place in the kingdom. The head drops, because it's visual now. The head drops. That was more than he bargained for. And the young adult walks away lost forever. He had that one moment with Jesus. So, visually, we're seeing it all. The disciples, oh, oh man, man, we could have had him on our team. How could you lose him? You're watching it all. But to reread to relive, you're not only going to see it, go back over it again. Go back over it and hear it this time. Hear all the talking. Hear the crowd going, ooh. Third time through, feel it. There may not be in this story anything to feel, but if you're on the Sea of Galley and the water's splashing in your face, you feel it, right? Fourth time through, taste it, taste it, taste it. So when Jesus breaks the bread, it's homemade. Whoa! Oh, that's good. There's a fifth one, and I don't know which one it is. Smell it, smell it. That's in the hot sun when everybody's pulling on those nets, and you can smell the pulling. Just smell it. The point is, reread to relive. Any story, reread. To relive. By the way, Dwight, did you come up with that idea? No, I'm sorry. But the great classic on the life of Jesus, Desire of Ages, came up with the idea. Put it on the screen for you and you have to fill it in, by the way. Desire of Ages, page 83. Isn't this something? It would be well for us to spend... A thoughtful hour each day in contemplation of the life of Christ. And by the way, do you see how much time is talked about there? That's a thoughtful hour. Now, if I have any seminarians here, when I'm lecturing over in the seminary, I say, hey guys, for you, minimum right there. That's your minimum right there. You're in the seminary, that's your minimum. It's not the minimum for the rest of you. You want to start with 20 minutes? Start with 20 minutes. You saying, "Dwight, I, never, I could never work up. I could never work up to an hour. Trust me, you can. I have seen the shyest boys on this campus when they finally found a girl that thought he was somebody special, these tongue-tied boys talking for hours on their cell phones. Don't tell me that you don't know how to talk when somebody's interested in you. Come on. What happens? The deeper your friendship grows, the longer your time together will grow. You can't talk all day, I understand. I can't talk with Karen all day long. i got stuff to do. But, I make sure every day that there is a corner in my day when I can be alone with the love of my life and we are talking to each other. That's what it's about with your very best friend. See? So you can do it. Don't you worry about it. Read it again. It would be well for us to spend a thoughtful hour each day in contemplation of the life of Christ. We should take it point by point and, oh, hold on. Let the imagination turn it into a DVD. I'm reading it five times through. I can smell it. I can taste it. I can feel it. I can hear it. I can see it. Let the imagination grasp each scene. One story a day. Grasp each scene, especially the closing ones. As we thus dwell upon His great sacrifice for us, I love this. Our confidence in Him will be more constant, our love will be quickened, and we shall be more deeply imbued with His Spirit. End quote. Isn't that great? Come to me. Hey, yo, come to me and learn from me. Come on. Put your neck in this thing. Put your neck in this thing. Prayer. Put your neck here. Because here we're shoulder to shoulder. Heart to heart, come to me. Learn from me. Well, keep your focus on Jesus. In fact, that's why step five is there. Jot it down. Ask yourself. So you're reading reading the story through. Ask yourself, what does this story tell me about my friend and Savior Jesus? Make sure you get that down. What does this story tell me? You're not the hero of the story. Don't be watching yourself. You're always focused on Jesus. And here's what I do. Because I, I do this method. And I, have a, I, I, I go to the same place every morning. And by the way, that's imperative. Go to the same place every morning for this experience. Because if you keep changing your place, particularly if you're a domesticated uh, woman of the home or the domesticated woman of the Lamson Hall room, if you keep changing your place, you are going to keep noticing different surroundings and you're going to start picking up. Oh, man, I need to take those. Those curtains need to go to the clean. Look at oh, that. How did those cobwebs get up there? You're going to be totally distracted. If you go back to the same place every time, the mind just says, hey, I've been here before and everything fades away and you're moving into a new DVD today. Keep going back to the same place. And what I do when I'm in that same place is I imagine a chair that's sitting right there. And I put Jesus in that chair. And I say to Jesus, hey, Lord, What's up with this? Why did you put this story in the Gospels? Why are you having me read it today? Is there something I'm supposed to be getting here for me? Hey guys, hold it, hold it, hold it. Trust me. He will begin to speak to your mind. The Holy Spirit. Jesus incarnated can't be there. He's not there in person. The Holy Spirit His representative. will begin to speak to you. And that's a wonderful thought, by the way. You are never alone. In this time of, of praying, you are never alone. The third person of the Godhead is always with you. And when you stop and you say, Okay, 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 I've just read this story. Holy Spirit, Jesus, what do you have for me? Jesus is going to come to you. No, He's going to come to me. And He's going to say, Hey, Dwight, <clears throat> you know that rich young ruler? I know you're pretty proud that you don't have a heart Schaffner and Marks suit. You think... You're just average Joe middle class. So let's just get past that, Dwight. But I want to tell you something about that rich young ruler ruler, that reminds me of you. You think you've pretty much covered all the bases and you're just playing with me to say, is there anything else I might do? You're as bad as that boy. Why don't you fess up and admit That the best you have done, all Ten Commandments, is still empty without me. Why don't you tell me right now that I am everything you want? Now, you can read the same rich young ruler story and something else, it'll be something completely different for you. But that is why the Holy Spirit is omnipotently creative and creatively omnipotent. He comes in and takes that story and says, Hey girl, I know know what's happened in your life today. You really need to catch this point. Listen to me, girl. Listen to me, girl. I have something for you. Listen up. He's talking to you. Prayer is the opening of the heart to God as to a... That means there's dialogue. Something is going on here. God is speaking through His Word and you are communing back to Him. What's up with this story? Why am I in it? I'll tell you why. See, that's what's happening. Step number six, once that has happened, so you've been brooding 20 minutes. Oh, mercy. 13 minutes have already gone by 13 minutes. I only have seven more minutes. What's going to happen in seven minutes? Listen, when you come to that moment, here's step number six. Journal, journal your response. And this is where it becomes a new way to pray for you, because most of you don't do this. I've been doing it now for a bunch of years. And I know what you're going to say. You're saying, Dwight, I just, just, there's just no way I can write. I can't write anything. Okay, here's the question. How many of you receive and send emails every day of your life? Put your hand up. Be proud that you do it. Yeah, come on. The fact is that if your hand is up, you know how to write. You know how to write. So here's the deal. Would you jot it down, please? Write. Well, let me, let, 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 let me first uh, say, some of you are going to write on a laptop. And that's great. I don't know how to do that, but you, you know how to do it. You're going to open your laptop up. you got the scene. Jesus has just told you what's in that store. You're going to sit down, and you know what you're going to do? You have a file marked journal. That file is a private file, by the way. Any journals are private possessions of Jesus and the individual writing the journal. So that's just clear for everybody. Roommate, spouses, take note. All right, so you open up your journal file. You put today's date, and you know what you're going to do? You're going to write first the, the date. You're going to type the date in, and then you're going to write the portion of the verse that speaks to you. So you're going to do it in a laptop. Now me, I'm, I'm so old fashioned, I use one of these. You know what these are? These are composition books. Yeah, Great little books. You can get these, you can get these at Walmart for 92 cents. 92 cents. You can get this at the dollar store for a dollar. Great. It's, <laughs> that's true. It's a dollar. So that's where I get them. Save the gas. Alright? I do it here. So if, if, if you're looking over my shoulder right now, you see, I write the date right here. And then I put the part of the verse that speaks to me. So I do that in red. So let's put that on. Do we already have that on there? Date and verse in red? So that's what I do. Now, you're not going to do that with a laptop. But if you're old-fashioned, that's the way you do it. All right? So you put the date and the verse in red. And then, here's the key point. Write an email to Jesus. Put the next up, please. Let's put the next up. Write a letter to Jesus. Now, for you, you can put email if you wish. Write a letter to Jesus. Say, what are you talking about, Dwight? Well, here's what I do. Okay, so we're going with the rich young ruler. Dear Jesus, I didn't realize, because I'm I'm using a pen, I didn't realize how many times I come across to you and perhaps to others as a bit cocky and self-assured that I've got everything together. You just told me in this story that if I'm living like the rich young ruler and I'm not rich or young... That's in case he doesn't know. (laughs) That if I'm living like the rich young ruler, I'm as lost as he is. Oh, Jesus, please. When will I get it that you are my very best friend? And salvation is about being connected to the best friend I'll ever have. Look, three sentences, you're done. You may do it in one sentence. You may take three pages. It doesn't matter to me, and it doesn't matter to Jesus. The point is, you're writing it down. You're writing it down. You're saying, Dwight, I don't like writing. No, you can write. And the reason you need to write is because here's what you've been doing with all the worships you've ever tried before. You have gone on your knees after you've read that little Bible verse. Okay, thank you. Go to your knees. And one hour later, if I asked you, what did you do in worship today? you don't remember it has not gone into it has not permeated your life you will find with this new way of praying that it goes straight up this arm straight up this arm and into the hard disk and in the middle of the day in the middle of a moment the holy spirit will come to you and say hey remember that about uh, you wanting to really focus on a relationship with jesus i wish you would recall that right now you're getting out of you're getting off beam with me you'll be amazed at how the spirit brings it back to you through the day I'm not talking to only millennials here. I'm talking talking to boomers. I'm talking to Gen Xers. I'm talking to seniors. I'm talking about the third floor of the ad building. I'm talking about the basement of the ad building. I'm talking about every dormitory on this campus, every graduate housing in this community, every community house. We are all called, come to me and learn from me. We're all called. Do it. Once in a while. Okay, once in a while. Let's put the other one up. Once in a while, this is rare. I will put a letter. Can we put that on the screen, please? I'll, write, I'll get a letter from Jesus. I'll write it, but Jesus will send it. Now, he's not dictating to me. I need to just quickly let you know that. But if Jesus were sitting in that chair, I know exactly what he'd be saying. Hey, Dwight, did you ever think that you and that rich young ruler have a lot in common, more than you once thought? I wish. Oh, did you see how my heart was aching when he walked away from me? That's how my heart beats for you. I wish your passion were just for me. Not for your accomplishments. Not for a checklist. Not for gold stars by your name. Just for me. I write it. And I know that Jesus would be saying that to me if He were here right now. That's what's up, guys. That's why I write it. Step number seven. Kneeling prayer. And I'm adamant on this point as well. Twenty minutes is about up. Whoa, i got five minutes left. Four minutes, Whatever. Step seven is kneeling prayer. Jesus may be Jesus is your very best friend, but he's not the kid next door. He's not the buddy across the street. He's almighty God. Almighty God, the creator of the universe. And so there comes a moment when you're gonna your posture will need to declare to him you What I do is I get on my knees and I put my face in the rug and I'm declaring to him, I know I'm your son. I know I'm your friend. But I want to tell you, I also know I am a servant of the Most High God. And I am here to take direct orders from you today, sir. What happened to the best friend? He's not just my best friend. He's my commander in chief. And he's my king. And in the presence of a king, anybody who has brains knows you bow. And so I bow. What am I going to do in my kneeling prayer? Ah, you got an intercessory prayer list? you got a list of names that you've been praying for? That's the time. You start going through that list. You do a few of the names every day if you have a list that's too long. A few every day. Intercessory praying. People that have asked you to pray for them. Now's the time. Here's when you go through the day. God, I have this I have this class and we have this huge exam coming up. Jesus, you've got to help me. I've got a major board meeting coming up. Give me presence of mind. I'm going into the factory. I'm going into the clinic. I've got to have a mind today in touch with you. Whatever it is, that on your knees is when you're asking, God, take my life and let it be. Holy consecrated, Lord, to Thee. That's it on your face. And when you get up off of your knees and you walk out of that little dormitory door or you walk out of your house door, a friend of Jesus suddenly is emerging into life on this planet and world, sit up! Jesus' friend has just arrived. Here's the question. Would you be willing? Now, I need you to be listening very quietly now. Would you be willing to commit yourself to growing a living, dynamic, thriving friendship with your very best friend? So that like Abraham, you know what they said of Abraham? He is the friend of God. Like Moses, who talks to God as friend to friend. Like Mary, who sits at Jesus' feet and drinks in every single word. Like Jesus Himself, who often spent entire nights in prayer with tears, loud tears and cries. Hebrews 5.8 Would you be willing to say, God, I want that kind of a friendship with You. I put a statement at the end of your study guide. Pull that study guide back out that you packed away, please. That statement is for only you and Jesus. You're not turning it in. You're not making a covenant to me. You're not purposing anything to anybody but your very best friend. How does that statement read? I'll put it on the screen for you. By the grace of Jesus, I purpose to spend the best portion of every day alone with Him in His Word and in prayer. You may not want to do it here because, you know, everybody's watching me. It looks like I'm just being compliant. But I wish you would keep that slip of paper, the whole backside, seven steps. Put it in the Bible that you will use in worship tomorrow morning. And when you're all alone and nobody's watching, would you mind just signing your name? You're, not, you're signing it for Jesus. Put the date down. From this day forward, very best friend, God and Jesus, I choose i purpose i wish you would there has never been a moment in human history when it would be more essential for the for the community of faith you and i belong to to raise the bar in our prayer relationship with the god of the universe you're not doing it for the church you're not doing it for the preacher You're doing it for you and Jesus. Just the two of you. And that's why I'm lingering here. Nobody's coming forward. Nobody's standing up. You have that piece of paper. And you alone can make the choice. I purpose to set aside every day for the rest of my life until Jesus comes. I purpose to preserve this time with my very best friend. You have nothing to lose. And I'm telling you what, you have everything, everything to gain. You'll never be the same again. Trust me. Ever, ever again. Let's pray. Oh, God. Very best friend. Wow. That the God of the universe who rules 47 billion light years of space is willing to come down to the little corner where we would like to meet with you every new day and open up your heart and treat call us friends and treat us as friends. How could this be true? And yet the outstretched arms at Calvary have got to be the assurance that Jesus really is saying, come to Me. Come on. Come to Me. Learn from Me. And so, Father, for all of these who are Your children, I pray one prayer. Grant to him, grant to her, a forever friendship with You that will grow every day until Jesus comes. Amen.